What's up, everybody? Uh, I am so happy to finally be back. Um, for those of you who may not remember me because I was gone for like three weeks, I'm her co-host, Olivia Rondo. I'm so happy to be back finally. A lot of uh, drama and stuff was happening in my life, so I had to take a step back for about three weeks. I am back, though. I will be back continuously on a weekly basis like I usually was. Uh, Larry is out today. He is doing something else, so I will be hosting the show alone today. And I wanted to talk about something that I'm very passionate about and that I have been more passionate about lately just because there has been so much failed messaging lately. I'm going to come out to the Republicans today because somebody who is more right-leaning, I'm going to attack the people that, you know, claim to try to represent me. And I want to give some props to the libertarians here and give them a chance to, um, to fill that void that a lot of the duopoly, uh, duopoly messaging is kind of leaving because I don't know about you guys. Um, but I feel like when Marjorie Taylor Greene is is talking about the election in Georgia and she's blaming Shane Hazel, who is the libertarian candidate, who is a libertarian candidate for um, splitting the vote and for Republicans losing the Senate last year, as opposed to pointing the finger at her own party saying, hey, the GOP should probably be doing better. That leads me to believe that libertarians, A, probably have more influence than we think and B, are doing something right. And it's also leading me to believe that the Republicans are not really willing to look inward and correct the things that are wrong within their own party and their own messaging. Um, and so again, that leads that leaves a void for libertarians to fill. So um, this is not just, this is not like a, 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 a crap on um, the GOP parade, but uh I, I do want to go after the Democrats as well. I just think that because I'm on the right, I'm more inclined to criticize the GOP. So uh, I will answer some questions after a few minutes. So keep them coming and I'll get to them as I can. But I want to start off basically by talking about where I think that libertarians can step in and fill that void. So number one, war on drugs. I think we got to talk about it a lot more because which parties are talking about it? The Republican Party is just ignoring the issue exists. They even want more regulations. A lot of them are fighting even um, marijuana decriminalization. I know that's not everybody. I know Nancy Mace has put up a pretty good marijuana decriminalization bill, but it's not going far enough and it's not being supported by enough Republicans. So, and then the Democrats on the other side, they're just kind of blaming fingers on like white supremacy. Oh, you know, there's a, there's, you know, more black men are in jail because of white supremacy or because of the Ku Klux Klan is in charge of the police department or, or whatever have you, but they're really not trying to get to the root of the problem, which is the war on drugs and overarching. That is government overreach, trying to control every little aspect of our lives. Like we're puppets or something. And the Democrats don't want to acknowledge that because they love to do that too. Just not necessarily with things like weed or drugs, but you know, with things like guns and school choice and like everything else. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I think we need to uh, kind of step up and make our voices heard. And one thing that I really often criticize about libertarians is that we talk about things that don't matter to the average everyday person. And there's definitely a place for that. Let's have all the philosophical debates all we want. Let's talk about balkanization. Let's talk about what if the South won the civil war? Like, let's talk about all these things, but Let's move let's move it back. Let's move it to the back burner because I think where people are looking for are answers 
to the war on drugs. That's what the average person is thinking of. The average person is thinking of, hey, my uncle just got locked up for an ounce. You know, what's the answer to this? And neither party is answering their questions. So um, I think libertarians should spend a lot more time talking about everyday issues. And Larry talks about these everyday issues all the time. Spike Cohen is another great person that talks about these everyday issues all the time. You guys should go follow Spike if you don't. Um, and these are just people that I look up to. And these are the pages that I go to, to find, um, you know, everyday, like not, I'm sorry, not everyday information, but problems that the everyday American would face stemming from, you know, government tyranny and overreach. Um, so I would like to open up the floor a little bit. If you guys have anything you wanted to add in besides the war on drugs, definitely um, drop that in the chat. And also I'm going to start answering some questions because I, uh, I see this uh, chat filling up pretty quickly. So how are you guys doing tonight? Wow. 21 people in here. Awesome. 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 How are you guys? How was y'all's Thanksgiving? I was, uh, I had a good one. Uh, Brown Mamba says, hi, Olivia. Do you know the difference between the GOP Mises Caucus and the LPMC? So yeah, I'm a member of the LPMC. I, I'm aware that there's a fa- that there's a GOP Mises Caucus. I don't know anything about it. That's, so I know there's a difference. I know that one's the Republicans and one's in the Libertarians, but I don't think I know anybody in the Republican Mises Caucus. I would be interested to talk to somebody though, because you know, the more coalitions that we can build, the better. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. comment from Dave Davis. I had a Democrat voter on Facebook tell me that they hope I don't win. I'm glad knowing that some people think I have a chance. Democrats are so mean on Facebook. What, what gives? Uh, Jonathan Richardson, the Republicrats don't care about policy or principle, just power. Exactly my point. Exactly my point. Neither party wants to address the real issues, like I said, with the war on drugs. Or, um, you know, we, we could talk about a million different things. Neither party really wants to address... Uh, uh, the Second Amendment. The Democrats act like we can just shove it under the rug. They're ignoring the Constitution. And the Republicans act like we can just get thrown a little bit of a bone. You know, hey guys, you can maybe have this type of gun, but not bump stocks. Not bump stocks. And expect the real Second Amendment enthusiasts and absolutists uh, to be okay with that. But yeah, like you said, Jonathan, they don't care about policy and principle and the Constitution and none of that crap. Just power. Um, what's up, Missy? Thank you for joining us. Uh, I should uh, start putting these comments on the screen. Sorry, I forgot about that. Brown Mamba again says, "What is that? What is it you like about MTG?" I don't know much about her, so I'm not attacking her. But what makes her popular to right-wing libertarians such as yourself and Reed Coverdale? So I'll answer that question. Um, good question, and it's more of I like her. Sp- Spirit. I like her spunk. I like that she shakes the table and disrupts politics. Not a huge fan of a lot of her policies. And like I said, when she re- she uh, went after Shane Hazel instead of you know pointing the finger at her own party, I think she has to look inward, you know, at herself and see what her own party can do better. Because I worked on the um, the Senate GOP race. I knocked doors for Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue. And I think I talked about this last time I was on here. There was a lot of things that GOP could have done better to win that election. And not one of the reasons that the GOP lost was because of Shane Hazel. I'm sorry. I It was just, 
yes, if all the libertarians that voted for Shane Hazel voted for Republicans, the Republicans would have won. But that's assuming that all those libertarians were going to vote for Republicans as their second choice, which if you know libertarians, you know that's not the case for a good chunk of them. Um, some of them may have voted for Democrats. Some may have not voted at all. Like you, you just you just really don't know. And so to blame that on the libertarians, I was disappointed in Marjorie uh, for saying that. And yeah, I'll call it out. You know, she follows me on Twitter. She might, you know, see this uh, video. You know, I'll probably make a statement about it later on because I know people uh, like Brown Mama, they know, like, I follow her. You know, I'll share her stuff and commend her when she does something right. But this is something wrong. So I'll talk about that. Um, Rob... Arigo says, legalizing sex work, not an everyday issue. Honestly, I think that could be an everyday issue to to a lot of different people, depending on where you live. You know, where I'm at, I'm in the burbs. I don't see a lot of, like, you know, sex workers, like, you know, uh, I don't know how to what the politically correct term is. Escorts? I don't know. Uh, on a daily basis. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen one over here. But if I lived in a big city, it probably would be, you know, on my top list of issues. So if you're a libertarian in a big city, I think you should talk about it. I think it's an everyday issue that probably affects a lot of people and a lot of people's families. David Cameo says, I'd love to pick your brain about weed decriminalization versus legalization stance. So my thoughts on that have evolved a lot. Right now, I'm looking at, at legalization. I want legalization of, you know, marijuana and this is my opinion this does not necessarily uh represent larry sharp by the way i want legalization of marijuana and psychedelics you know we're talking about mushrooms things like that because it's natural a plant should not be uh you know not legal to sell in any type of way i think you should be able to go in a store and buy it that's just my opinion and then not that you asked but for harder drugs i'm leaning towards that way too and the my reasoning being that like let's say i mean we all know like what's the most dangerous drug probably heroin fentanyl um and the reason why heroin is so dangerous is because it gets cut with fentanyl so often and it's very unsafe to get if you're an addict you're probably not worried about getting the safest heroin you just want to get your fix you're getting it from an illegal source and i think that it would be a lot safer for these addicts to um you know get it in a get it in like a store type situation where it would be vetted and you know gone through approval and it would be safer and things like that i know that's very controversial that's probably one of my most extreme libertarian beliefs is that drugs should be legal not just decriminalize but i'm open to debate i'm always open to changing my mind Got a question from John. Hello, Olivia. I think if Larry managed to get into a live debate covered by mainstream media and he asked the right questions, it would go viral. Will Larry be able to break through this way? I 100% agree with that. I think that's a great idea. I think Larry should be put up on a panel with, you know, the top, uh, you know, the top figureheads on the right and the top figureheads on the left. I think he sh- he could destroy a lot of these super super smart, you know, like facts not feelings people on the right, and a lot of these super super emotional and appealing um uh you know thinkers and and writers on the left i think that if you put them on a stage with i don't know chank eager from the young turks and ben shapiro from the daily wire he'd probably destroy both of them in a lot of issues so 
I think that uh, he definitely would be able to break out that way. And I think it's just about, you know, growing the channel, growing the social media page, you know, getting more attention to the channel. I've been trying to get more attention to the channel. I don't know if you guys are big Fox News fans. I wasn't really in the past, but Fox, Fox News actually does have some libertarians on it now. If you guys watch anything on Fox News, it should be the Kennedy show because she's a libertarian. And I've been, a, you know, a regular guest on her show and just trying to, you know, obviously post that online and retweet it with the Sharpway account. And it brings more uh, attention to this page. So hopefully Larry gets put on some, you know, cool debate panels. Because I was on, a, I was on a, a panel on Fox Business the other day with Juan Williams. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I was up there with the big dogs. That was pretty fun. Let's see. So John Morrissey, spicy, spicy comment. I appreciate it. Can we build a coalition with people who file lawsuits to get us off the ballot? So I'm assuming this isn't reference to, and maybe this has happened in other states, but I know this happened in Texas where a lot of people in the Texas GOP filed a lawsuit to get libertarians off of, I think, state legislator ballots. So if that's what you're referring to, no, I don't think that libertarians can build coalitions with every single Republican, but I think that we should where we can. And uh, that's my opinion. But thank you for your comment. That's a good uh, good question. James says, I've always said that defending Democrats by comparing them to Republicans is like defending Jeffrey Dahmer by comparing him to Ted Bundy. And that is pretty funny. The funniest thing that I see online every day is, well, what about Trump? Well, what about Trump? Trump did this worse. Like when we're talking about like the Biden inflation and everything. Well, what about Trump? Trump shut down the government. Trump did this. It's like, are you mad about the inflation or not? Because clearly people are not. Clearly people are just partisan. I don't know why people deflect the other party when someone is criticizing their party, when they would be criticizing the other party if they if they was the ones doing it. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I guess that's that partisan, you know, hyper, uh, hyper polarized mentality that a lot of Americans have these days, but it really is disheartening to me. And again, what's, what's the topic of this video? The libertarians filling that void because we have these two hyper partisan camps and all these cool people in the middle that are like having their questions, not being heard, not being answered. So uh, we've had some good questions about um, decriminalizing or legalizing sex work, decriminalizing or legalizing marijuana. Like these are the things that libertarians should be talking about to fill, to fill that void. So I like the conversation that we've been uh, creating here. Shelly says, I think libertarians scare the crap out of the duopoly because we have actual policies that benefit people. That's got to take them down a little. Yeah, for sure. I think that if libertarians got on the main presidential debate stage, it would be a wrap. It would be a wrap. It would be a wrap. But unfortunately, it's just set up that, you know, it's set up that way because they're afraid of us. John Morrissey back with another good comment on sex work, your body, your choice, same argument as drugs. I agree. Basic tenet of freedom. You should be free to put into your body what you choose. I agree. And then the whole uh, sex work uh, in general is just so hypocritical because if you film it, then it's legal. Then it's making pornography, which is legal. So I just don't understand why if you take the camera away, it's suddenly not legal. But that just goes to show that the government doesn't really care about principles or policy, cares about power. Uh, shout out to whoever said that. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, even let's, even if it wasn't just about freedom of your body, which it is, but there's also another component, which is safety, decriminalizing or legalizing sex work is going to, I think, really help and aid the sex trafficking and kidnapping and abduction industry of young women and girls, because these women who have to put their bodies through this, who have to live like this for whatever reason, if they choose to, if they're homeless, if they're, you know, poor and they literally just have to, they're, they've put themselves on the other side of the law for some reason. It's usually desperation. And for them to put themselves in this situation and effectively move, remove all safety, you know, from their line of work. Like you can't call the cops because you're a criminal, you know, you, you, you can't do a lot of things. You can't get help because you're a criminal. And so I think this black market kind of creates another black market, which is sex trafficking and they can't really get help or feel like they can't get help because what they're doing is illegal, even if they've been forced into it, or even if they are doing it out of necessity. So I think that applying the, your body, your choice thing to this, not only, will give these women freedom, but also provide them with that safety net because then they're not on the other side of the law and they can call for help and they can get out of a bad situation. Oh my goodness. Shelly, we are on the same page. We are on the same page. I just seen your comment, but yes, exactly. If sex workers were legal, we would soon be able to see who the traffickers are. Exactly exactly both are hidden now take one group out of hiding the second group will stand out exactly because right now these sex workers are forced underground we don't know who they are some of them are not in the system the, the, the there's a crazy amount of jane does that show up you know um you know like murdered dead bodies that show up that we don't know who they are because they're not even in the system because they've been in this illegal industry for so long and they get taken advantage of and they get murdered raped trafficked just the worst things happen to them. And if we could shine some light on this issue by forcing them out of the shadows or making it so they're not forced into the shadows, I should say, then we should know who the traffickers are. So thank you for bringing that up, Shelly. Me and you are on the same exact page. Mm-mm. Yes. And thank you, David. This is why my mind has kind of shifted back and forth. Um, there have been times where I've been leaning more towards a de- uh, decriminalization stance towards drugs just because of the taxation aspect. But I think it may be um, a necessary evil. When I'm thinking pragmatically, okay, well, what's more likely to go over, um, you know, to go over with the general population and what would be safer um, for, you know, hardcore addicts, like I was talking about people who are addicted to heroin, who are, don't really care about the source that it's coming from, they're going to get it illegally, you know, legal or not. Um, but I would just like it to be a safer process for them. So they can get help eventually. Brown Mamba asks, do we even have a drug problem before the war on drugs? I'm not old enough to answer that question, but to me, from my perspective, it seems like it seems like it wasn't much of a problem. I mean, now we have the opioid epidemic and there's this whole other thing I think created by the war on drugs, uh, you know, combined with big pharmaceutical companies and the big pharmaceutical companies, they love the war on drugs. They love it because now people can't smoke weed, but they can get prescribed a giant horse tranquilizer and get addicted to that instead. So fun. It's so fun for big pharma. Mm Let me see these comments. 
All righty. Paula Andrew asks, what was Juan Williams like? I hate that he got kicked off the five. Congrats for making the big leagues on Fox. Thank you so much. And Juan Williams actually was pretty reserved when I was on the panel with him. He didn't really try to argue. It seems like um, Kennedy is one of the more, I would say, moderate hosts on Fox. Like I said, she's a libertarian, so she's not you know, a hardcore Republican or hardcore right. So it seems like Juan and her probably have more in common. And I'm independent, as most of you would know. And so we kind of had similar opinions. He wasn't so fiery against AOC like I was. If you guys watched the panel, um, one of the topics that we talked about was AOC denying the existence of these smash and grab robberies, which is clearly like so false. We've all seen the smash and grab robberies. For those who don't know, it's when people, it's organized retail theft where people, you know, smash into a store, grab a bunch of crap off the rack and run out. And a lot of these Democrat run cities like San Francisco, it's pretty much decriminalized. You can basically, you can basically just do that if it's like under a thousand dollars or something. And so we were talking about that and he was like, you know, well, it's wrong. And I was like, AOC's a dumbass, but you know, it is what it is. He has to, he has to kind of stay neutral, but he was nice overall. Paula says, I wish the Johns got punished as much as the girls do. It's a corrupt thing. I, I, you know, it, it's sad that it's the girls who are often victims of trafficking that get punished the most. Hmm. Hannah Forcing says, who are the most important or influential libertarians in the cultural spaces? Cultural spaces. So this is different. This is, I'm assuming this doesn't include like the niche internet uh, pod, libertarian podcast cultural space, right? Because I feel like that's so like not in the real world. But I would say maybe uh, Dave Smith. I mean, he's a comedian. He has like non-libertarian fans, I'm assuming. Um, I like Maj Ture a lot. He's kind of like in the hip hop community. Like, you know, he, he's he's debated like Ture, Lupe Fiasco, or that was Hotep, Jesus, sorry. But Hotep is another good kind of libertarian-ish figs figure who who is also in like kind of like the hip hop scene um spike cohen i think he's doing a lot of good stuff out in the culture i mean he he's making his rounds and traveling and touring to all these different cities um i think uh that's not good enough though i feel like the fact that i struggled to name like three or four people who are really out there doing it i think that's not good enough and i would like to you know see more people on the come up on the rise but you know uh, like I said, it's just, it, it's so unpopular. It's so niche. Like I, I, I can't stand to see our awesome little subculture relegated to like this little niche, little, uh, circle on Twitter. Um, I feel like the, the people who, the, the celebrities, you know, in the real world, world, like the real celebrities who claim to be libertarian, they almost always aren't. I remember, uh, that magic guy, the Penn and Teller guy or whatever his name was, he claimed to be a libertarian. Then he supported, uh, uh, Gavin Newsom for governor. So I, I just kind of lost all hope with like the celebritarians. Another question from David Cameo. So on the note of libertarian candidates, have you, have you thought on the impact cult of personality has had on overall impressions of libertarianism, the libertarian party, e.g. Ron Paul memes or Aleppo? Yeah, but what are you going to do? What are you what are you gonna do? Well, at least we have uh, you know some attention at all. Also, I love the Ron Paul personality cult. I'm in that cult. Ron Paul is awesome. Uh 
the Aleppo thing, that was really hilarious. It's really sad how the duopoly latched onto that. Like, oh my God, Gary Johnson doesn't know what Aleppo is. All libertarians are stupid. Yeah, like, you know, I saw how that works. But that like, that just goes to show, I forget who said it, uh, uh, but that just goes to show how the duopoly is scared of third party and libertarian options. Mm-mm-mm. Sorry, I have to catch up on these comments. All right. Thank you. See, I'm like so behind these comments. But yes, Shelly says, I'm enough to answer. We didn't have one-tenth of a drug problem before the war on drugs. Thank you. I, I Thank you for that uh, insight. Oh, yes. Eric July, he's super dope. He, I believe, is an ANCAP, one of the dopest ANCAPs out there. I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, at the Solutionary Summit, which Mosh Torrey actually put on. Uh, I think in like the beginning of September, a few months ago, super nice guy. I think big boy and Kurt Russell might be the real only real celebrity libertarians. That's true. I did hear that Kurt Russell's a real libertarian. Um, Larry put on a lot of makeup today. Larry sure did. That's funny because somebody did tell me I could actually be his daughter, but um, we're not related. We're both just light skinned. So, yeah. Another question. She, you know what? Have you approached or been approached by Dave Rubin? I think you might turn some heads and shake it, show up a little. I uh, loved your talks on reparations a while back. Oh, thank you so much. And no, I have never spoken to Dave Rubin or been spoken to, but I. I think we have mutual friends. I know that Reed Coverdale, Eliza Blue, uh, a bunch of my friends, Clint Russell from Luther Lockdown, they all, I think they all met Dave Rubin at like Freedom Fest or something. So I don't know. Maybe I'll hit him up. I've never, uh, it's been a while since I watched the show. I used to actually be a pretty big fan like in high school-ish a few years ago. Haven't watched in a minute though. Rob Schneider. Oh, that's true. Rob Schneider is a libertarian, I think, and Vince Vaughn. Did not know that about Vince Vaughn. Also, I thought of another one. Uh, Mark Pellegrino. I don't know if you guys know who that is. He is the founder, the co-founder of the American Capitalist Party. I don't think he's a registered libertarian, but he is basically a libertarian, like libertarian in thought. Uh, he's an actor. He was in uh, a bunch of Netflix shows. He was in like Supernatural, 13 Reasons Why, all that. Uh, pretty cool dude. Um, how long have we been going? 26 minutes already. Um, I wanted to kind of, um, criticize the Democrats a little bit more because I feel like I've, I've been shitting on the Republicans for a little bit. So what are some things that the Democrats don't address? Well, like I said, they don't talk about the second amendment. They don't talk about the constitution. And a lot of you may be thinking, well, the average person doesn't care about the constitution. And that may be true. That may be true. They might not now, but I think that the average person is capable of being convinced that the constitution is a good document, that we should be following it and that the government shouldn't be, you know, tearing it apart and peeing all over it. And I think that we can mainly reach out to the black community. And that's something that the Democrats have pandered to, but not really provided any tangible solutions for. Um, And that's something that the Republicans have all but ignored. And so if libertarians can take this opportunity, again, the void, the void in messaging that the duopoly has left, 
for us, for libertarians, and we're not quite taking advantage of it. Larry Sharp and Spike Cohen and Mastore have taken advantage of that. Those are three people. There are a lot more libertarian candidates that should be talking to the black community. When I say talk to the black community, I don't mean that, um, you know, that Republican talking point that's like, oh, I don't see color. I'm colorblind. You're racist if you see color or, you know, whatever, whatever. No, I mean, make content or make a speech or make a policy or direct some part of your campaign to the black community. And I'm telling you right now, that's not a. Uh, false identity politics that's just what the black community responds to and you're going to have to realize that um to get anything done and i've had this debate before but people are always like oh it's identity politics to call yourself a black conservative or a black libertarian or whatever 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 it's identity politics to say because i'm black i have to vote a certain way it's not identity politics to acknowledge that i'm black or acknowledge that i'm a woman or acknowledge whatever 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 and the black community acknowledges that and if libertarians don't acknowledge that, they're not going to pick up any votes in the black community. But there's such a void there. And there's a study that came out. Of course, everyone knows that I think the black community votes like 90% Democrat. I think black women, it might be even higher. Um, it might be like 85% for black men and like 90 something for black women. But it's about 90 overall. Um, but I think it's 43% of black people identify as conservative or moderate. So why are they voting Democrat? Because the Republicans have kind of not addressed their issues at all. And the Democrats have painted to them and kind of left them with no other choice. But they do have another choice. And as libertarians, and we're not doing anything, uh, we're not doing anything about it. And we have to adjust our messaging for them. <sighs> Say hi to my boyfriend, everybody. Um, he's very biased. I would not be a good president at all. Um... Philip said, I love to see nonprofits set up to replace government. I love that idea. I think that private charity is way more effective than the government in pretty much every aspect. And, and tell me something that the government does better than private charity in someone's lives. I don't even know. Kristen says, if most people don't care about the Constitution, libertarians could do something useful in improving that situation without having to be elected first. That is very true. That's very true. It's, it's messaging. Not every uh, not um, every message has to come from a candidate, even. We could be talking. I mean, like, it could just be us, you know, people sitting on a live stream talking about it or making their podcast about it or posting about it online. Or it could be somebody who is not really in the political scene. I mean, you see, like, singers and artists and celebrities all the time after their show. They, like, shout out to Planned Parenthood or shout out to Stacey Abrams or whatever the Democrats have them doing. We should be having that. You know, we should be infiltrating politics and the culture that way. And you don't have to be elected to change people's, you know, hearts and minds on the Constitution. Brown Mama says, aren't Republicans who constantly are Republicans who constantly point out the fact that they're Christian playing into identity politics? That, that's I've honestly never looked at it before, but I, I view it 
that's definitely similar. That's definitely similar. Even a lot of them will say you can't even be a Christian and vote Democrat, or you have to be a Christian and vote Republican, or you can't be a not Christian and be Republican, or it's just like a whole, yes, exactly. So you're, to answer your question, yes, that that's basically what it is. I think it's a little bit different just because it's based off of a belief system slash religion rather than racial background, which you can't help. But still, it's still another form of identity politics. <laughs> Ramamba also asks, how are political discussions between you and your boyfriend when you were libertarian leaning and he's a conservative? So I think, um, I can't speak for him, but I think that as we have political conversations, we agree on more stuff than we disagree. So so while I'm, I identify as a conservatarian and he is the Christian conservative, you know, out of the two of us, we agree on more than we disagree. We actually disagree on like very little. So um, I think like culturally, you know, he's more of like the Christian conservative type. But um, yeah, we don't really argue about it. If, if if that's what anyone was wondering, I mean, he's definitely got some criticism for dating me. That's the funny part. People have had an issue with it because I'm like more libertarian leaning, which I find hilarious um, because people like to make a lot of false assumptions about me um, and act like I'm some type of degenerate uh, for, you know, being independent or leaning libertarian or whatever, whatever. But nobody on the libertarian side has given me the same criticism for dating a conservative. So I find that pretty interesting. But thank you for your comment. That's uh, it's pretty funny. I feel like I'm in like a celebrity relationship right now. People are asking about it. Philip says, conservatives have libertarian ideas laundered in. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them do for sure. A lot of them do. I feel like that's, I mean, I don't know how y'all became more libertarian leaning, but I became libertarian leaning because I was a conservative first. And then I was like, wait, a lot of these ideas are stolen from libertarians and they have some better ones. So yeah. Book chapter verse, please, from people who say Christians have to vote a certain way. Never came across that in the Bible. I agree, but you know, it's the same people that uh again it's like the the same people who um think that uh like saying if saying I'm pro black or whatever is identity politics but they're pro christian you know they vote pro christian and that's not identity politics but it it i i get what they're saying because you know re- republicans by and large are pretty pro life and christians are pretty pro life so i get it like i said i i think it's a little bit different than just being like racially identity politics because there is ideology to go with it, but it still doesn't make sense to me. Like you said, where's, where's the verse in the Bible that says you got to be a Republican. But um, yeah, but guys drop some more ideas in the chat. Cause I want to, I want to talk about more ways that libertarians can fill the void of messaging. We already talked about celebritarians. We need more of those. We need more libertarians to talk about issues that matter to real people in real places who care about real things and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying that you're like little podcast debate over, you know, which libertarian philosopher was cooler or better is not a real thing. However, I think that they're, you know, they're more important things we should be talking about all the time, you know. David said, Larry Sharp hooked me in New York State. And it's a secret, my wife, too, over Cuomo in the last gubernatorial race. 
Well, you shouldn't have said it if it was a secret, but this version of libertarianism is so approachable, accessible, especially for Democrats. Yes, and I feel like more libertarians, depending on where you live, but especially in big cities like New York or in states that have big cities like New York City, um, should be should be like that. And it, he's honestly working for a shop boy has taught me how to be more accessible to Democrats too, because I spent a lot of time shitting on Democrats. I do because I lean more conservative, but then I'm like, do I want to win? You know, do I want to help libertarians win elections? You know, do I want to help further Liberty? And then I realized that alienating half of the moderate base is not the good way to go. And I do want to appeal to Democrats. I do want to appeal to liberals and, you know, be nice to them and convince them of some of the libertarian values that I have that kind of a lot of Republicans share like the second amendment. I think that we can convince a lot of Democrats and liberals and moderates of, you know, more far right beliefs if we're just nice to them. And, uh, see, that's really nice to hear your former Democrat, uh, wife is lifelong Democrat. And I'm sure that people like Larry and his campaign who were super nice to Democrats and know how to relate to you guys and relate to you guys on real world problems instead of debating on pointless BS helps, uh, you know, helps bring you guys over here. So I appreciate it. Kristen says, something I would like to see libertarians step up their game on is criminal justice reform. This is a big moment for it in our world, and we have to be able to talk about more than just legalizing drugs and sex work. Yes. Thank you. I mean, there are so many, like you said, there, there's more things to talk about, um, drugs and sex work. I mean, there's there's controversial things that I have. Um, I think back tying it back to the Second Amendment uh, point, I think that felons should be able to get their guns back. I think that um, if you don't want felons to have your guns back, their guns back, let's uh, talk about like a violent felon. Like people always ask me, well, would you want a pedophile, a child rapist to get their gun back? No. I also don't want them ever out of prison. If you don't trust people with a weapon that can protect their lives outside of prison, then probably shouldn't just let them out of prison. I don't, I don't see the need for crazy violent criminals who have done horrible things to, to children to get out of prison anyways. So yeah, let's restore their second amendment rights. That's part of criminal justice reform that neither party is talking about that even a lot of libertarians won't talk about because it's pretty controversial. And because they always get asked the question, well, what about if it's a murderer? What about, what about if it's a, if it's a serial abuser? Don't let them them out of jail. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Like, why would you want somebody out of jail that you think is going to legally own a gun and kill somebody with it? They're going to find a gun anyways. Criminals do not care about gun laws. They're going to get an illegal gun or they're going to, you know, they're going to use another weapon. They're going to be erratic. They're going to be violent, whether they have a legally owned gun or not. So I would say, yeah. Uh, thank you, Kristen. Yep. Definitely restore Second Amendment rights big part of criminal justice reform that I like to talk about. Um, Logic says revoke qualified immunity. What's up, Logic? Um, Yes, revoke qualified immunity. Um, Back when I was writing for FEE, which is the Foundation for Economic Education, which I guess if you guys don't already know, I did, my contract did end with them um, about a month ago or like a couple weeks ago. Um, but I can still contribute to them. So I might still be writing for them in the future. It depends on, you know, the time and stuff that I have, but 
Anyways, that's besides the point. Back when I was writing a fee, I used to write about qualified immunity all the time. And when I shared it on my Twitter, which a lot of conservatives followed, a lot of them were really mad. And, you know, I was talking about, um, you know, all the thin blue line stuff and the blue lives matter stuff. And it's like, I don't know where that all came from. I I don't know where people conflate, uh, you know, ending qualified immunity to being like super ACAB or cops need to die or all cops are pigs or whatever the little sayings are. That's not who I am. I don't know if that's who y'all are, but my personal opinion is I'm just not a hateful person like that. And qualified immunity, if you if it's really about just, you know, picking out the bad apples, if all cops really are not bad, it's about picking out the bad apples, like Republicans said, then qualified immunity would help us pick out the bad apples and stop protecting them. And I, there was this crazy, crazy story I wrote. The last article I wrote for Fee, this woman, and it happened in Philadelphia, this woman, Rakia Young, she had a two-year-old toddler and she was picking up her 16-year-old nephew downtown of Philadelphia. Now, on her way home, she takes a wrong turn, and she goes and is suddenly she's in a, a police an anti-police protest because a few hours before, police had shot and fatally killed or fatally shot and killed um, a man whose uh, family had called emergency services for mental health, like a mental health check. And they had shot and killed him. I don't know all the circumstances of that. I have not seen the video, but that's just what the protest was for. Police see this woman trying to do a three-point turn to turn around and go home because she was accidentally at the protest. And they pull her over. Mind you, she did not break any laws. That came out in the, the case. She did not break any laws. She did not do anything. They pulled her over. They beat in her windows. They break all of her windows. They yank her out of the car. They yank her kids out of the car. They beat her on the ground, handcuff her, and separate her from the children. Now, she's without her kids for hours. You know, that she's arrested. Meanwhile, they are staging a photo shoot with her two-year-old toddler son in the arms. And this is a black woman, by the way, and her black child in the arms of a young, you know, really pretty white female officer and saying that the black child was found alone, shoeless, without shoes, wandering the streets of Philadelphia in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of this big protest that's going on against the police. And this is, uh, this is why we need the police because the, the kid was rescued. This is a complete lie. They just pulled him out of the mom's car when she was falsely arrested and beaten and assaulted for no good reason. Then the Fraternal Order of the Police, the nation's largest police union, shares this post on Facebook and it gets shared over 700 times before it got taken down. And so, of course, this lady is suing the state or she's suing the city. She's suing the police department. She's suing the union. And she gets a she gets a pretty hefty payout from the city because she didn't do anything wrong. And she got assaulted and her child taken from her and slandered on social media. She got a two million dollar payout. However, where is that money coming from? It's not coming from the officers. It's not coming from the police department. It's coming from the taxpayer. And so that's why we should revoke qualified immunity. These people need to be locked up. They got to pay for their crimes. They just, they just, they should never have been in a position to, to be able to do that in the first place, first of all. But there has to be real consequences. Shelly says, I'm an old, old school conservative, live your life, doing what you want to do as long as you don't hurt anyone or else ask taxpayers to pay for it. Being a libertarian is exactly old school conservative. That's the conservative 
that's the conservatives that I like. I think that a lot of um, conservatives in the black community are like that because I, that tends to be the definition of conservatism in the black community is more focused on small government rather than like the far right, like evangelicalism that has taken over, you know, a lot of the GOP where it's like, you know, you have to be Christian to be part of the party and it's all about traditionalism and, you know, they don't like gay marriage and all this kind of stuff. I like your brand of old school conservatism and that's what I believe in. Kristen says it would be interesting to see how many people are sent back to jail or prison just for being a felon in possession without having done anything wrong as opposed to illegal. I would love to see those numbers. And this brings up a case. Um, Republicans were bringing this all up um, when Ahmad Arbery's killers, Travis McMichael and his son and the neighbor, I forget their names, I'm sorry, but the McMichaels um, were found guilty of murdering Ahmad Arbery and when Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted and the narrative in the, you know, the leftist mainstream media was that America was racist. And so Republicans came out and said, uh-uh, there's this case. Look at Andrew Coffey. He's a black man that just got uh, found not guilty because he shot back at the police in self-defense. And he got found not guilty. And that's, America is not racist and America is perfect and just and the criminal justice system is all right. And then I looked into the case. The dude is facing 30 years. The dude is facing 30 years for being a felon in possession of a weapon, even though he did nothing wrong. He did something illegal by being in possession of the weapon, but he did nothing wrong. And he was found not guilty for shooting the police officers in self-defense and found not guilty for causing the death of his uh, girlfriend who the police officer shot at back. So it's like, you can be the hero in this situation. You can be the good guy in the situation and be found not guilty on all the charges, but because you illegally owned a weapon, suddenly you're this evil monster and you got to face 30 years again. I, I, that was the case. That was the development of the case about two weeks ago when this first came out. Um, I don't know if he, if anything else happened, if anyone knows about this case, drop it in the chat. But uh, yeah, that's the Andrew Coffey case. And last I read, he was facing 30 years for that. So I would love to know about more cases like that because it's really sad. Hannah asks, how do you think libertarians can make ourselves interesting enough to get the attention of cultural figures? Like how Malice is so fast, fascinating to Ruben, Rogan, Poole, etc., and gets a lot of big invites. Um, I'm not saying we have to emulate Malice, but I think that he has kind of cracked the code into, um, into getting into the mainstream media. He has turned himself into a personality. And this is not, no tea, no shade at libertarians. Uh, a lot of the big figures online in the niche libertarian circles, they got to create a personality for themselves. You know, you got to be interesting besides the politics part. And that's what Malice does. He's a little out there. He's a little outlandish. He's kind of, he, he can be kind of like an asshole on Twitter sometimes, but he has a brand, you know, he has a personality for himself. People find that fascinating. People find that interesting. And there's other people that do that too. I think Reed Coverdale has a great brand. I think that it's only a matter of time before, you know, his, he gets on InfoWars or something crazy like that, because I think he has a similar brand to Alex Jones even. Um, so I think that I think a key to that is, uh, you know, it, it is kind of creating a personality and a brand for yourself. I mean, I've been trying to do that. Um, I've been on the Tim Pool show. I, I, I write for Tim Pool's website. And I think, a, I mean, a large part of that is because I've created an online personality for myself and I create, you know, uh, a brand, I guess. And it's nothing crazy. It's just my name. I'm just Olivia Rondo. But the reason people have followed me is because I think, I think, you know, let me know if I'm wrong. I'm not trying to be like too cocky here, but I think I'm somewhat entertaining. I think I bring something unique to the table. I'm not boring. 
So uh, that's uh, that's advice I would give to anyone who's trying to create a platform or be invo- or be invited onto a larger platform like Joe Rogan, like you know Infowars, Timcast, anything like that. All right, I gotta catch up on these comments. Chip Perry says, I grew up in a very Republican family while a good friend of mine was raised to be very Democrat. Thanks to Larry Sharp, we are both libertarian. Well, thank you, Larry Sharp. Shout out, Larry. Uh, Shout out, Larry, for uh, making Chip Perry and his good friend both libertarians. I appreciate it. Um... Philip says, Matt McConaughey movies are secretly libertarian. Dallas Buyers Club exposed the FDA. Free State of Jones is a libertarian manifesto. Lincoln Lawyer was against prosecutorial misconduct. Amistad is about common humanity. I don't think that he's a libertarian, but he should be, but he should be and his movies seem to be libertarian. I have never seen a Matthew McConaughey movie, or at least none of those. I know what Dallas Buyers Club is. I know it's about drugs, or uh, it's about Oh, wait, is that about AIDS? I forget. Actually, I don't know what it's about. Something like that. But I've never heard of the rest of those. So maybe I got to watch some Matthew McConaughey movies. Uh, I feel so young right now. Thomas says, Joe and Spike were all about criminal justice reform and still are. Yeah. Uh, Spike is probably my favorite person to get my criminal justice reform news from. His timeline on Twitter, his uh, Facebook feed, it's a great place to go if you want to read about like these crazy unjust stories that happen all across the country. He's a great curator of uh, these types of stories. And when I've written about it, he's always shared my stuff on his page. So I can tell he's a really uh, true advocate for criminal justice reform. I haven't interacted with Joe Jorgensen really at all. But, uh, and she kind of, I don't know, I don't see her post a lot on social media, but from what I've seen from her in the past, she did seem to be passionate about that. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with both of their stances on it pretty much. Shelly says every other profession, uh, profession position, uh, carries malpractice insurance, even accounts. Exactly. Exactly. And the conservative argument against uh, and the qualified immunity as well. People will just sue police officers all the time. People sue bus drivers all the time. People sue doctors all the time. But they're not always tied up in uh, lawsuits because a lot of times these lawsuits don't make it to court or nothing ever happens. Every profession is going to have frivolous lawsuits, but the taxpayer never has to foot the bill for any of them, except for if you're a police officer or, you know, politician. So I don't really... Uh, don't really see the conservative point in that one. Malice leans anarcho capitalist. I was of the opinion that he was a full blown anarchist. I didn't, uh, I, I already thought he was kind of like all the way over there. Kristen says police officers should have to carry professional insurance to be employed and should not be able to unionize. I 100% agree. And I think they should be paid more. I think they should be paid more because I don't think uh, I don't think the job is attracting the right people. I think it's very odd that in a lot of cities and states, police officers are making like forty, fifty grand. They're like a very like like in some cities, that's like a very like lower middle class amount. 
and they don't require a lot of training, not a lot of schooling. And I think if we just up the professionalism level of this, you know, make them carry professional insurance um, and, you know, they're not able to have a, they're not able to unionize because, you know, it's, it's a public utility. Um, I think they should be able to be paid a little bit more too, um, given all of that. Tara Wombat says, Olivia, your eyebrows on a fleek. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I feel like my eyebrows are like my pride and joy. So that makes that or that means so much to me. Uh, David, I'll catch you later. Killing it. Liv, thanks for popping on. Thank you, David Cameo, for joining us. Brown Mamba says, do you think that when conservatives hear the word systemic racism, what they <laughs> really hear is white people bad? Yes. That is exactly what they hear. They hear that uh, I somehow am blaming white people for all my problems, and I want white people to pay me, and I want white people to say sorry, and I want white people to, you know, give them all my money or give them uh, all their money and basically take care of me. And that's that's not what I mean. I don't think that the average common white person is somehow like in charge of the system of oppression in America, but I do think that the remnants of a Jim Crow slavery reconstruction area anti-black period have translated today in the form of the war on drugs in the form of um, gun control and things like that. And it's crazy because Republicans and conservatives, they'll sit here and clap. They'll be like, if I say, oh my God, Planned Parenthood is racist, gun control is racist, the Democrats are racist, Democrat-run cities is racist, they love if I say that. They, like, jump for joy if I say that. And then if you just say, all those things are a system, right? You know, all those things that I just said that are racist, that you agree with are racist, that's a system. And this system is over Black people, and these Black people in that system are still suffering under these things that you agree are racist. And that's when you look at the little light bulb flick on their head. And if it doesn't flick on their head, then they're just dumb. But the people who are honest and the people who don't want to remain, you know, willfully ignorant, the light bulb will go off on their head and be like, you know what? You're right. And it's not their fault. They're not the person that created all these big government policies. You know, it's, it's, it, they don't take it as a slight against them unless they actually are a type of racist, but they don't take it as a slight against them. They understand that it's the big government and these systems that they already agree are bad and racist that are controlling and oppressing people. And they'll even understand that they're oppressing and controlling uh, black people more so than other races because of location and because of history and because of poverty, which the, again, the government has kind of already created. So they do see white people bad when they hear about systemic racism or oppression. Um, they hear white privilege and shit. And it's, <laughs> It's insane. <laughs> Thank you for the question. It's really good. Jonathan said, why would you want someone on InfoWars even if they're a libertarian? Uh, I'm just speaking for myself here. I would like to see libertarian ideas on any platform. And uh, that's uh, that's my opinion. But if you don't watch InfoWars, then don't watch InfoWars, I guess. There's a sassy thumbnail on Tim. Yep, there's a sassy thumbnail on Timcast. I really hated Lydia for making that. And uh, just kidding, I love Lydia. Missy says, I love having you host once a week. It's refreshing and interesting. No shade to Larry. Very much shade to Larry. Larry is not as cute or as hilarious as I am. So, just kidding. But thank you, Missy. I am so happy to be here. I'm happy to be back. Um, 
for those who didn't know, actually, I didn't mention this to really anybody. I did tweet that I had a loss in my family, but um, the reason I had taken a hiatus was um, my uncle. My uncle passed away the last time I was supposed to host, like literally the the morning of uh, the last show I was supposed to host. My mom calls me. My uncle died very suddenly. It was a, a whole whirlwind day. It was a horrible day. It was just a horrible day. And that was about two weeks ago. And then the next week, last week when I was supposed to host, uh, that was like the day of his funeral. And then we had um, like the service the morning after. So that just wasn't going to happen either. Um, so, yeah, that's what happened. But I'm back now. Uh, thank you for everyone for being patient with me and not uh, forgetting about me while I was gone. And I will start uh, uploading uh, videos on the YouTube page as well, like the ones I've been doing. I think my last one was about the LP Mises Caucus. I had a good uh, analysis with that. I had a chat with the LP Mises Caucus of Maryland state organizer, and that was super fun. So if you guys haven't seen that, check that out. Um, Got to catch up on these comments. Hannah asks, do you think libertarians could follow the example of the school choice movement to promote something like police choice, a.k.a. privatize them? I think that would be a great answer to a lot of the problems because we have Republicans saying thin blue line, more funding for police, more power to police, and Democrats saying defund the police, no police, we don't know what to do, we don't even want guns, we just live in a fantasy land. And that's not going to work either. I think that privatizing police or having a form of police where we can hire and fire them and they're held accountable and they pay for their own mistakes and they don't get away with, you know, crazy shit like murdering people and, you know, getting it swept under the rug. I think that's a great place to start. I think privatizing them could be answered to do that. I also like the form um, law enforcement where it's like a sheriff where you can elect and recall them. I like that too. But um, I think ultimately the goal could be just and hiring them because they're privatized. Jonathan asks, should we ban former military or slash veterans from being police officers? Uh, I've never thought about that. I would have to know why that would be a problem in the first place. Is there like some type of statistic that, you know, former or veterans are, veterans are bad cops? I don't know. I don't think so, but I'm open to my mind change. I just don't know. I've just never heard that argument before. Too many local police forces require the college degree, but it could be in crayon art or whatever. Sheriff's departments and state police are far better trained. Yep. Like I said, sheriff's departments are better trained. They're much, uh, they're much more able to be held accountable because... Uh, the sheriff is elected. Um, yeah, thank you for thank you for the comment. And I, yeah, I, I, I'm not super familiar with what type of degree a police officer would need. I didn't know it could just be any like any degree at all. So that makes me feel even worse. So thank you about that, or thank you for that. Sorry, I like lost my place in the comments. Okay, here we go. Larry's not as easy on the eyes. <laughs> Wait, this isn't Larry? No. Sorry. 
Charlie said, I have a twin sister who has far more melatonin than me. I'm going to assume you mean melanin because melatonin is the drug you take to go to sleep. One of us is adopted. I've never been asked for a green card, but she's been held for not being able to give a green card. I've definitely had my police encounters as well. I don't know if I've had a single or maybe like two in my life, two positive police encounters in my life. Not everyone was racist, but Muslim were just bad. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for your condolences uh, on my uncle's passing. It was very weird and very sudden. I, I'm like not even over it. It still doesn't even feel weird, uh, real. You know, like I grew up with him. Uh, I, I've never, I don't, I don't experience loss a lot. I'm pretty young. I've only had one relative, like close relative die prior to that. Never really had any super close friends or anything. So it's just like been weird for me to deal with. So thank you. I appreciate that. Dustin said, Jesse Smollett. You mean Juicy Smollett, the very famous, very uh, very French actor, uh, found guilty. Anyone surprised? No. I, I read that he was guilty off of like five out of six counts. I don't know what the one that he wasn't found guilty off was, though. All right. Kristen says, as Commander William... Adama of Balsar Galactica put it, there's a reason you separate military and the police. One fights the enemies of the state and others serves and protects the people. When the military becomes both, then the enemies of the state tend to become the people. Ooh, that is a good quote. I have never seen Balsar Galactica, but I might have to put it on my queue just because of that quote. And that does, that does answer my question a little bit about why someone would want to ban military violence from the police. So thank you for that. I'll think about it more. Got you. Thank you, Jonathan. That Battlestar Galactica quote did shed some light on your um, position or opinion. Uh, I will look into that. So I, I see what you mean, how the environment of war will, will kind of like put this lens over how military views the public. I don't know how I feel about painting a broad brush on everyone that served in the military, though, uh, um, you know, especially out of respect for people um, who have served in the military. But it does... Uh, it, it does uh, create a question in my mind about it. Um, we are over an hour now. If you guys have any final questions, comments, concerns, please drop them in the chat. Other than that, I basically have uh, covered what I uh, want to cover today, but this will not be the last time I'll talk about messaging for libertarians. Um, it's just what has been, you know, kind of weighing on my mind lately, especially with this, uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene thing, how she was talking about or blame the libertarians for um, the Republicans losing the Georgia election, which is just not the case, um, which created a void where libertarians can, you know, step in and, and fill that void in messaging. Um... I guess I'll go. <laughs> I guess I'll go. I've been answering a lot of questions. It's been fun, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I believe that Larry will be next week, but don't quote me on that. But if he's not, I'll be back next week and be on the lookout for future uploads from me. Um, if you guys don't already follow me on Twitter, I am at Rondo Olivia. You can also find me on Instagram, Rondo.Olivia. I post clips of my Kennedy Fox News appearances and stuff on there. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I don't use it as often, but I just started using it. It's just my name, Olivia Rondo. So uh, I will see you guys next time. And thank you and have a great rest of your night. Bye.